they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back to the Bible with the Barbers. We have a very interesting topic today for the Bible with the Barbers, a biblical blueprint for marriage. And I think this is going to be a good one for all of us because as St. John Paul II says, the way the family goes is the way the culture goes. Mary Danielle, are you reporting for duty, ma'am? I am, sir. <laughs> God love you. And I can bet you have our grandson on your lap. So, Bo, and I want him to uh, pay attention to Grandma. We're going to be talking about something that most likely you'll have to deal with, and that is the biblical view of marriage. But, Mary Danielle, before we do that, we always like to get the readings of the day from the Holy Mass that we have uh, each day. And we're re- reading from the Gospel of Matthew Chapter 5, 43 to 48. I'm going to read the gospel since you've got a little bow in your lap. And then um, I would like you to do a little exegesis on explaining uh, what our Lord is asking us to do in this scripture verse. So a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your heavenly Father. For he makes his son rise on the bad and the good, and causes rain to fall on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what recompense will you have? Do you not, do not the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brother only, what is unusual about that? Do not the pagans do the same? Here it comes. So be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Lord Jesus Jesus Christ. That's a short but powerful reading, my love. Extremely. And one of the things to remember here, the only religion in the world that says we have to love our enemies is Christianity. Jesus Christ is the one who came and said we have to love our enemies. Even the Jews don't have to love their enemies. But but we do. And that's because God made all of us. He didn't just make, you know, the Christians. He didn't just make the Muslims. He didn't just make the Jews. He just didn't make you know, whatever, whatever religion or or nation you want to choose, God made everyone. We're Mm -hmm. all children of the same father, our father in heaven and God is love. So God loves and he loves all us. Even when we don't love him, he loves us. For instance, God made the angels, all of them. And some of the angels rebelled against God, maybe about a third of them. The dead, the, 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 in the book of revelation, it says that the serpent swept a third of the stars from the sky. Well, the stars represent the angels. So perhaps a third of the angels fell when the devil rebelled against God. Right. And yet God didn't stop loving them because God is love and he can't not love it. The problem is they don't love him in return. And this is what God is calling us to. 
So God loves his enemies. He loves the devils. He loves his enemies. He's not asking us to do anything he isn't doing. And he's not asking us to do anything he isn't going to give us the grace to be able to do. Mm-hmm. He will give us the strength and the power to do this. Grace is real, and it really empowers us to be able to overcome our sinful nature and to be able to do things that are beyond our capacity because we can do them in and through the grace of God, his Holy Spirit working within us. He sends his spirit to live in us. That's what the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, I have to go back to the father so that the advocate will come. And the Holy Spirit comes to complete the work that Jesus began, the work of our salvation, which is worked out day by day in whether or not we cooperate with God's plan and um, come to love him or whether or not we reject God's plan and end up to be his enemies. He still loves us, even if we're his enemies, but are we going to love him in return? The devil doesn't love. There is no love in hell and hell is eternal. So he's telling us we have to um, love our enemies and we're supposed to pray for people who persecute us. Are we doing that? Jesse told that story yesterday about his migraine headache. And and so he finally said this prayer that um, if this is demonic in origin, Lord, I ask you to send 10 times blessing, a tenfold blessing on the person who's originating this. And so this is how we break Satan's power. Satan comes to divide and fill us with hatred and and tell us, you know, have us feel sorry for ourselves or have us feel jealous of other people. And he divides and he does this in the family too. Right. And so the way we break that power is by blessing, by blessing. And this is what Jesse did in that prayer that he said it's on his website and you can go to his website and his show page and you can find it's a short prayer. It's not, don't look for a long prayer. It's a very short prayer. But it's a beautiful prayer telling the Lord, you know, if you if this is demonic, I ask you to free me from it. Um, if it's not demonic and you want me to bear this cross, give me the grace to bear the cross. And that's what we, we have to do. And so we're supposed to be, we're children of our heavenly father. And God, you know, the sun rises on everybody in the world. The, the rain falls on everybody in the world. And so God blesses everyone, even when they don't keep his law, even when they rebel against him. So we're supposed to do the same. And um, he, he points out even, even pagans who don't believe in him love those who love them. Right. There's really not a great merit in that. He's calling us to go beyond our, um, he's calling us to go beyond our basic capacity as human beings because he's going to give us the help that we need. It's his grace that will enable us. We're not going to make ourselves perfect. God's grace will perfect us, but we have to let his grace in. Father Calloway once told the story about how he was thinking about his past life and how many sins he had committed and how ugly, you know, his life was when he was, when he didn't know God and he was in rebellion against God. And and, and he was saying to the Blessed Mother, Blessed Mother, I'm, I'm so ugly. I'm not worthy uh, of loving you. And, and he said, and Mary is the mother of God, and she prays for us, and she wants us to be able to love God the way she did. Mm-hmm. She wants us to respond to God completely because that's what she did, and that's what all of us are called to do. And he said, it was as if she said to me, he didn't say, he didn't have a vision, he didn't, but it was, he understood in his heart of hearts, Donnie, you don't have to change to love me. Let my love in and it will change you. Amen. Because when you let the love of the blessed mother into your heart, you're letting Jesus into your heart because Mary and Jesus are one. 
Not that Mary is God. I'm not saying that. But she is so united to the will of God that she never rebelled against it. And she never prays for anything except what is in accordance with his will. And she never does anything except what is in accordance with his will. And so, and this is with God. We want to let his love in and his love will change us. So oftentimes we think we have to keep the tally sheet, you know, <laughs> oh, I did, I did this many works of virtue today and I did this many yeah. prayers and I did this. And it's like, mm -hmm. but did you give your heart to God in all Amen. of that? Amen. Or are you just keeping a tally sheet? So we want to give our hearts to God, our whole being to God. And it's not about keeping a tally sheet. It's about loving with our whole heart and mind and soul with all our strength and will and totally trusting in his love for us and allowing his love to transform us into living images of himself. Mary Danielle, let me jump in. You get me all excited here because I think of what Fulton Sheen said. He says, when one loves, everything is easy. When one, love, when one doesn't, everything is hard. And it seems to me, Mary Danielle, that in the world today right now, we forgot what true love is. We think... Unfortunately, we gave a quote from Sheen in the earlier show talking about the fact that um, we think that we all, in life is all about pleasure but and not, and not mention anything about sacrifice, but sacrifice is the language of love. Until we come back to understanding true love, it seems like, like we've said before, the big lie that is in our culture is that we can live life without God. And that's showing right now in our culture how much confusion there is because a lot of this confusion is because people don't know Jesus and they don't know the meaning and purpose of life. Absolutely. And that, that love is not primarily an emotion or a feeling. Right. Human love involves that, yes. But remember, God doesn't have a body. The emotions are part of the body. So, yes, now Jesus... When the second person of the blessed trinity became man he took to himself a human nature so yes he has emotions but love isn't primarily an emotion it's that act of the will that makes a commitment to serve what is god's love god created us out of love he doesn't need us he doesn't gain anything by our existence and yet he wants us to share in his joy in his own life this is love, benevolent love that wants only the good of the beloved. Mm. And that, and, and our love as humans, we don't start with benevolent love. We have to start with what's called complacency. And that is being able to see good in the beloved and willing to take delight in it. And so we see good in God. I mean, look at a beautiful sunset. That's right. You know, who made this? This is, he must be good. He must be beautiful. Look at the order in the universe. Who made this? The one who was behind the making of this must be good. He must be ordered. He must be um, a unity. And so we can take delight in the good we see. And we can take delight in the good we see in other people. Amen. And sometimes that's hard because people hurt us. But we need to strive to look for the good because there is good in everyone. Right everyone that ridiculous movie pirates of the caribbean which was really pretty silly but there was something profound in it and that was elizabeth was always telling jack sparrow he was a good man there was a spark of goodness in jack sparrow and even though he wasn't a perfect man even though he's a very sinful man and lived pretty much for himself there was still that spark of goodness absolutely i hear the music coming on when you're listening to the bible with the barbers <clears throat> our topic we begin the second segment will be on the biblical blueprint for marriage 
And I think you're going to like this because this is really where everything meets in the family. We'll be right back with much more of the Bible with the Barber. Help the Helpless, a Minnesota St. Paul nonprofit organization chaired by Father of Tear and volunteers, is humbly asking you for your kind support to help the poor and the handicapped children in India and Ecuador. Through financial support from the help of the helpless benefactors, the children are provided with clothing, food, education, shelter, and the teachings of the Catholic Church. The mission is to help children thrive and become self-sufficient young adults leading productive lives. We also provide aid to poor families in Ecuador with food baskets, medicines, medical assistance, and help with funeral needs for the deceased. The work in India is done by Father Antonio's organization, St. Mary's. In Ecuador, the work is being done by the Servant Sisters of the Home of Mother. You can call us at 877-762-8857. To learn more, please visit our website, www.helpthehelpless.org. God bless you. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back. We are doing a show on the biblical blueprint for marriage. I want to remind everybody, the Catechism of the Catholic Church is a great resource for your family. And on paragraph 1601 and thereafter, a lot of paragraphs. I mean, I'll just say something and then... I want to tease you because I think it'd be wonderful if you could um, get your catechism and read this as a study. But paragraph 1601 says, The matrimonial covenant by which man and woman, you notice it's not two two men or two women, were established between themselves a partnership of the whole of life is by its nature ordered towards the good of the spouses and the procreation and offspring and education can hear it there's the pro screen <laughs> offspring this covenant between baptized persons has been raised by jesus christ to the dignity of a sacrament why do i say that because our world right now is so mixed up 
Mary Danielle, on what marriage is, that I thought, you know, this would be a good topic. What's the Bible have to say about um, marriage? I agree. And, and it's a very unfortunate thing has happened here in the United States of America, where, again, the Supreme Court is legislating it is not interpreting. And as a matter of fact, the dissenting opinion yeah. on the Supreme Court yesterday decided to uh, a six to three decision decided that they were going to say that sexual orientation was included in, in the 19, was it 1964? Correct. 60. Yeah. Decision yes. Yes. Mary, let me, could, let me, could let me not just... discriminate on the basis of sex. Exactly. And now they're including sexual orientation. And the That's dissenting right. opinion said, no, that's not what it says. It doesn't say sexual orientation, even in common parlance today, yes. it is recognized that there's a difference between sexuality, what we are, sex, male or female, you know, human, you're yeah. either male or you're female, right? and sexual orientation. Sexual orientation does not determine your sex. That's right. You're either male or you're female. That's yep. basic biology. Um, even, even, you know, uh, doctors who are for uh, promoting homosexuality have to admit that it's in your DNA. That's right. You're either male or you're female. It's just the way it is. And so um, this unfortunate decision is actually an attack on the basic human person mm -hmm. as male or female. Right. And what's interesting, the biblical blueprint, well, where do we get it? it the Bible begins in the first book of the Bible, you have a marriage. And in the last book of the Bible, you have a marriage. Mm -hmm. The first marriage in the book of Genesis, we have Adam and Eve. God created Adam first. He makes Adam, and then Adam has to name all the animals. And as Adam names all the animals, he, he discovers that there's not one like himself. He doesn't have a suitable partner. So God, now this is you know, not because God forgot. It's because Adam had to <laughs> discover that he needed this in order to be able to appreciate the, the partner that God would make for him, he needed to discover for himself that he was, he was not sufficient unto himself, that he needed someone. Right. And so then God makes Eve. And, and notice, you know, this has been pointed out time and time again. He didn't take Eve from his, Adam's head, making her superior to him. And he didn't take Eve from Adam's feet, making her inferior to him. He took Eve from Adam's side, right. a rib. He took a rib and he built up the woman. He sculpted her. Adam was made out of the dust of the earth and woman is sculpted by God out of the rib of Adam. Mm -hmm. And therefore she is equal to him and closest to his heart. Yeah. And so she's a partner suitable to him. And when Adam sees her, it's, it's yes, <laughs> this is the one at last. It's that exclamation of absolute sheer joy where he recognizes mm -hmm. someone who completes him, who brings a fullness to his life that wasn't there without her. And notice God made them male and female. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Mm -hmm. And then it goes on to say in Genesis, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and cling to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This is the first marriage, the marriage of Adam and Eve. And it's the basis of all mankind. Mm -hmm. The church has always taught that in the beginning, God created one man and one woman. And from those two, the entire human race descended. And as you read in that first paragraph, marriage is ordered to the good of the spouses 
and the procreation and education of children. Mm -hmm. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Yes. And he's talking to us right now. You know, I think it's so appropriate, Mary Danielle. We're talking about marriage and fruitfulness, and our grandson is trying to get into the conversation. I think uh, that's very appropriate. Actually, I I love it. I'm glad he's here. Thank you, Jesus. Mary, Mary, as you talk about the Bibles of um, and continue, but I just want to mention a concern that some of us have regarding the U.S. Supreme Court a decision, 6-3, to three, to redefine sex, basically, rewrite and write trans, transgenderism into the 1964 law. Many of us think that this could force churches to recognize same-sex marriages. It could force the photographers, florists, bakers to participate in same-sex weddings. It could compel employers to fund drugs and surgeries to help people um, initiate members of the opposite sex, make women and girls to do all kinds of, you know, uh, in other words, make no distinction between gender. It's really confusing. But here's the question. The Supreme Court also, you know, almost 50 years ago, 48 years ago, came up with a decision on Roe versus Wade and saying that, um, you know, abortion is legal. And our position, at least I think it's very clear, that an unjust law is not a law at all, that we are not going to go along with killing unborn babies because the Supreme Court says it's a right for women to do that. And I think the same thing has to go with this Supreme Court decision that is redefining what God has made, male and female. And um, my take, Mary, is um, we might be in some, some hard times and persecution because if we stick to our guns, so to speak, literally, I mean uh, figuratively, to our teachings of our faith, what Jesus has taught us, then we're going to be in conflict with the state. You, do you agree with that issue? Do you think that's coming down? Or am I that sure artist- looks like it's coming. And, and what's interesting is I was driving home today from church. We, yeah. we got to be able to go to Mass, and yep. there was a car in front of me. And at a stop sign, I read their bumper sticker. Mm-hmm. And their bumper sticker was a quote from Thomas Jefferson. Yeah. And the quote was this, when injustice becomes law, resistance becomes a duty. Yes. So when Roe versus Wade became law, when the, when the Supreme Court, again, it wasn't interpreting the Constitution like it was supposed to be. Yeah. It was legislating. Right. It was making a law. It created a right to privacy, which wasn't in the Constitution at all. Right. It created something. And so that was an unjust law, a law that said you could kill children. Then resistance becomes your duty. Now we have another unjust law, a law which recognizes transgenderism as if it were a natural good of humankind. And it's not. It actually, you know, God made us male and female. And the sexual orientation issue is actually tied up with sin. And I'm not saying necessarily the person with with the uh, homosexual tendency or transgender tendency is the sinner, but he may, they may have been sinned against to the point where they're confused in their gender identity. Of course. Of course. And this is very clear in psychology that yep. this happens. And we know this, and, but it, you don't help them to become whole persons by, by letting them live a lie, yes. by letting them live in injustice. And the reality is, is that, you know, it's interesting because Black Lives Matter Black Lives Matter and other groups are trying to say that, well, we have to attack the the nuclear family. Yeah, let me jump in. Let me just jump in, Mary, because I know our our grandson needs a little attention. You mentioned Thomas Jefferson. I want to also mention, 
a saint who said something similar. He said this was St. Pope Felix III in 475, and it's so appropriate for us today when we see all the error that's being pushed out. And I'm, check this out. He says, not to oppose error is to approve it. So if we just sit back and allow all these things to go on and not oppose it, we're part of the sin. He says, and not to defend truth is to suppress it. And indeed, to neglect, to confound evil men when we can do it is no less a sin than to encourage them. So I'm convinced, and I want to encourage our listeners to stand up for Jesus moment right now. We are being told by our highest officials from the Supreme Court that, that, that God's law is not the state's law. We're gonna, we have, a, we have a, a change of that. And so I want to encourage everybody to stand up for our Catholic faith today because another saint, another pope said this, and then I'll throw it back to Mary. St. John Paul II said this, and this is how we're going to fight error. How? By deepening your knowledge of Jesus Christ. This is what the pope said, Pope John Paul. This ends loneliness. It overcomes sadness and uncertainty. It gives real meaning to life. It curbs the passions. It exalts ideals. It expands energies and charity. It brings light into a decisive choices. Let Christ be for you the way, the truth, and the life. See, and that's the kind of encouragement we need today because right now with uh, this persecution of morality that is going on, we uh, have to stand up and say, not on my watch. I am going to oppose it with everything I have. So, Mary, you made a great point there that that this is not a just law. It's an unjust law. It is an unjust law. And the reality is, is, you know, when people have experienced trauma in their life and you come up to them and say, well, you know, I had, you know, you have this trauma and it causes confusion in your, your psyche and confusion in your identity. Well, that's okay. Just live that way and, and be happy about it. Well, you're lying to them and they're not happy about it. Mm-hmm. They're confused and they're hurting and you're not giving them a solution. You're letting them live debauchery. Yes. And debauchery does not bring us happiness. It may bring us momentary titillation, momentary pleasure, but it doesn't bring us happiness. The only thing that brings us true happiness is a virtuous life in union with God. Amen. We were made for union with God and we can't live a life of union with God if we're not living according to his plan. And the plan for the world was marriage. And the point of marriage was to show forth the love of God, just like the first reading today, the gospel reading today about be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. We're supposed to love like God loves. So we need to ask for his help. And Jesus commanded us to love our neighbor the way he does. He gave his life. Amen. It wasn't comfortable. He didn't wait until everybody came to him and said, oh, Lord, we love you and we're going to give up all our sins. He died for his enemies. Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. And in marriage, we're called to do this. You know, that can be a real hard part of marriage because you live with someone day in and day out and we tend to hurt each other. Gee, no, never. Not us. (laughs) No, yeah, we're human beings and we do. And we have to forgive and forgive again and again. And we have to strive to live the truth. And the truth is that we're made in God's image and God made us either male or female, regardless of our sexual orientation. 
God made us male or female. And we will only find true happiness in healing if we have been confused with sexuality. You got it, Mary Danielle. We'll be back with more. The Bible with the Barbers, a biblical blueprint for marriage. Be right back. Don't turn that dial. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And here's an easy way to support us by going to smile.amazon.com and type in Catholic Resource Center or Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And when you log in your Amazon account and you purchase products, a portion of it will go right back in supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And it doesn't cost you a dime. I want to thank you ahead of time because that supports us year-round. May God bless you and your family. Healthcare news today seems to be coming from everywhere and everyone. It's confusing, at least, and untrustworthy at the worst. Dr. Aceta is a faithful Catholic in the Kern County community. He is trustworthy, well-researched, and will only give expert opinion on matters in his own specialty. Catholic teaching at its entirety is of utmost importance to Dr. Aceta. Give Dr. Aceta a call for your obstetrics and gynecological needs at 661-695-6617. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back. Mary was talking about the biblical blueprint for marriage, and because we're talking about this because the U.S. Supreme Court just voted 6-3 to to redefine sex and write transgenderism into the 1964 law. I have in my Lebanese hands a... a a letter from the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. And um, there's a, a lot of interesting comments. I will recommend that you get it from the Vatican's uh, site, or if you want to email me, I'll be happy to send it to you. Terry, T-E-R-R-Y, at Saint, S-A-I-N-T-J-O-E.com. And it also points out the 1986 letter from the bishops of the Catholic Church for pastoral care of homosexual persons. But it basically points out that... Uh, this, that um, although a particular inclination of homosexual person, is, it's not the sin to have that. It's what you do with it, okay? That's what the Catechism of the Catholic Church says, too. But he also points out in this document that there are areas where it's not unjust to discriminate to people who, have homos- who are homosexuals, Okay. And I'm talking about active homosexuals. For example, the placement of children for adoption 
or foster care or in employment or teachers or athletic coaches and in the military recruitment. Why do I say this? Because this goes right in the opposite direction of what the Supreme Court is saying. So I just want to give you, it's a longer document. I can't read everything to you. But the church is very clear that uh, it's that active homosexuality uh, is not a recipe for happiness or holiness, and it's disordered. And the Catechism points that out. So we just can't compromise. I believe that I'm praying that our bishops, Mary, will stand up to the government on this and say, look, we can't do this. We're going to be like Mexico, and we're going to have our marriages outside of, like, for example, in Mexico, you go to the government to get the marriage certificate, and then the next day you go to the Catholic Church to get married because I think we can't really participate in what they're doing because it's not according to God's law. So, Mary, that's just my recommendation for us to, you know, have check out what the church really teaches and have knowledge because Jesse made a comment earlier about how the knowledge of your Catholic faith is what can defend you from spiritual warfare issues. And when you don't know your faith, you're more vulnerable to fall. So that's why I want people to be high-information Catholics. I'll turn it back to you, Mary. <laughs> and again, you know, God, God is love, and he created us in his own image. And the, so the fundamental vocation of every human being is to love. But what kind of love? The kind of love God has for us that is not primarily physical. It's a love that desires only the true good of the beloved. And we were made by God to live in union with God. And sin takes us away from God. Now, as you said, and as the document, the church document says, sexual orientation is not sinful that's right. in and of itself, even if it's disordered. And that's the clear teaching of the church because God made us male and female. God didn't make disorder. God made order. So where did the disorder come from? It came from sin. You know, what happens in a marriage? You know, we have, as a matter of fact, this week in the first readings from the book of Kings, an example of a very disordered marriage. Tell us. King Ahab of Israel and his wife Jezebel. Right. Oh, boy. And where was Jezebel leading him? She was leading him to hell. Exactly. He wanted a vineyard. It belonged to his neighbor. His neighbor wouldn't give it to him because it was his neighbor's ancestral heritage. And Ahaz got all bummed out and was feeling sorry for himself and moping around the palace. And Jezebel said, what's wrong with you? Oh, Naboth won't sell me his vineyard. Oh, well, what kind of a king of Israel are you? She said, get up and eat. I'm going to, I'll fix this for you. So she wrote a letter in his name and put his seal on it and told the people of Naboth's village to falsely accuse him and stone him to death. Mm -hmm. And when she got word that they had done that, she tells Ahab and Ahab comes and he takes possession of the vineyard. And the prophet Elijah, of course, sent by God, tells him, God knows what you did. And what does he say to what does he say to Elijah? Have you found me out, my enemy? Well, wait a minute, Ahab, who's the enemy here? Elijah's not your enemy. Elijah's trying to get you to follow God's law. Mm -hmm. Elijah's the only friend you have in the world. Right. Jezebel's your enemy. Your wife is the one, and you're not willing to stand against her. So you're going along with the evil. Right. And of course, you know, God told Ahab, I'm gonna, I'm gonna punish you for it. And he did repent. And so because he he put on sackcloth and he, you know, sat in the ashes, he slept in sackcloth and he fasted and he prayed, but he, he didn't have the courage to stand against the evil that his wife was leading him into. Right. And so even in marriage, 
husbands and wives can lead the, each other in the wrong direction. But we're not supposed to. We're both supposed to strive to live in union with God and in union with his will. And this is what every human being is supposed to strive for, whether you're married or not. And, you know, it affects all of society. If marriage isn't solid, if the family isn't respected and um, given its proper place, which is a primary place where the government cannot come in and destroy the family and say, you know, you have to obey the govern government and not your parents to children, which was is what happens in communism. Then when the family dissolves, society dissolves. Right. And I just find it so tragic. There are so many groups in our society now who are attacking the family. Oh no, we have to have this new definition of the family where it's, you know, any two people who decide they're a family, they're a family, whether it's natural or unnatural, whether it's um, good or healthy, you know, whether it's, you know, serial polygamy or, or homosexual acts or transgenderism or whatever it's called. Mm -hmm. No, this is disordered. This isn't what God made. God is ordered and he made the family to be an image of himself. And God is good. He is always good. There's no evil in him. So to reject the goodness of God, to reject his commandments and try and make up our own, it's going to cause disorder in society. And it does. And that's why, as that document said, we have to discriminate because children need to be protected from the confusion that's caused when people go around redefining things that God made. You know, when you start redefining sexuality or you start redefining the family, you know, and children are vulnerable and they're impressionable, so they can easily be led astray. And children also, and this is what happens a lot of times, unfortunately, the reason a lot of people have homosexual tendencies is because they weren't protected when they were children. Right. Either a father left the family and the, the, the boys were molested or the girls were molested or, you know, there are different causes for homosexuality, but psychologists and psychiatrists who have worked with homosexuals have discovered that if they will enter into therapy and stay the course to heal the wounds and the traumas of the past, we're not talking about denying who you are. We're talking about healing wounds and traumas. You know, that not only homosexuals have had wounds and traumas. A lot of people have, and that, yeah, it's hard to face those wounds and heal them. But if you have a wound, a big, huge wound on your arm, and you say, oh, just put a Band-Aid over it and ignore it, what's going to happen? It's going to eat into your flesh. Eventually, you'll lose the arm. Well, wait a minute. You could have healed the wound. Oh, but it hurts too much. Don't put anything on it. It hurts too much. That's like when a little kid falls and they, oh, no, mama, don't disinfect it. Don't disinfect it. <laughs> I have to disinfect it. I remember once when our, our daughter, Monica, was 11 years old and she fell and cut her knee and I disinfected it. I thought I had done a great job. It was Friday and they were on their way to school. And so we sent them off to school. And Monday night, three day, three nights later, she uh, called me. She was in the bathroom about 10 o'clock at night and she called me and she showed me the knee and it was oozing pus and she had a fever, wow. which meant that the infection was no longer just in the knee. It had spread and I had thought I had disinfected it. I hadn't done a good enough job. I hadn't cleaned out that worm thoroughly. And what had happened? Within three days, she had a fever. She had to go on antibiotics for that fever and we had to clean that wound out. Yep. Well, no, that hurts. That's not, but you know what? Let's clean the wounds out because once the wounds get cleaned out and exposed to the light and heal, 
then you will find joy. You will find happiness, but we're not going to find it in rebellion against God and his will. And, and the marriage, the family is the basic unit of society. God made it that way because the, the family is supposed to reflect God in the world. It's supposed to bring people to God because God is not a solitude unto himself. He's a trinity of persons. He is father, son, and Holy Spirit, a father, a son, and the spirit who is the essence of the family. Pope John Paul II said, God is the original family. Mm -hmm. And God, our father in heaven is the father from whom all fatherhood takes its name. Right. So all fathers should be like God. Now are all fathers like God? Unfortunately, no sin, but that's sin. Don't blame it on, you know, God didn't make homosexuality and he didn't make homosexuals. Men made it sinful men and their sin and their unwillingness to conform to God's law and live a virtuous life, a life of discipline and self-control. Well, when men don't live a life of discipline and self-control, women and children become objects to be used and right. men degrade themselves to the, to the level of animal. And yeah, they're acting like animals. That doesn't make them animals. A man who acts like an animal is a man who's acting like an animal. Right. And a man who doesn't practice virtue is a man who's acting like an animal. That's not strength. It's not strong for a man to go from woman to woman, to commit adultery or to commit fornication, to, to use women. That's not a man. That's, that's a man who has allowed himself to have his passions to run him. And he doesn't have control over his own body. He's not a happy man. Right. Well, he may be enjoying the pleasure, but it, it's, it's, it's a perverse enjoyment. And he's not happy in himself. You will only find happiness in living up to the vocation to which you are called. And that's the vocation to love. And that calls for discipline and self-control and sacrifice. Mm. What did you say? Sacrifices, language the of language love. of love. Yep. It's not the essence of love, but it is the language. Mm -hmm. When I love someone, I'm willing to sacrifice for them. Just like God so loved us that he was willing to sacrifice his only begotten son. God sacrificed for us, his only son. And this is the kind of love we're called to. That's right. Beautiful, Mary. And you know, when we come back from our break, I want to share a letter that was read to me from my father when I was a young man, because it's Father's Day coming up this Sunday. And I think you're going to like it because it's very profound and it really sets boundaries, which you just talked about in the family and what's the role of the father. So you'll, you're going to enjoy that. I also want to recommend... Mary Danielle's got a Bible study tonight at 7 p.m. here at the Sacred Heart Chapel. So if you'd like to join us, come 7 p.m. tonight, and uh, that would be great. We'd love to see you then. It's every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Again, when we come back, a wonderful letter from a dad to a son. I happen, it happens to be my dad, and I happen to be his son. We'll be back with much more with the Bible with Barbara. In Luke 7, Jesus said, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven her because she has been shown great love. According to St. John of the Cross, 
Christians should always remember that the value of their good works is not based on number and excellence. Their value is based on the love for God that prompts them to do the works. May we always be motivated by true love for God and not worry so much about what we do, but why we do it. How does the baby eat? Can the baby hear me? How did the baby get in there? Wow, a pregnancy can sure generate a lot of questions, but what's important is that a baby is a baby inside and out of the womb, not just after birth, but nine months before at conception. That's right, every baby is a miracle. Hello, my name is Marianne Kuharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of alternatives or assistance, or would like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, please visit our website at prolifeacrossamerica.org, or better yet, simply dial pound 250 on your cell phone and say the keyword pro-life. Pro-Life Across America is non-political and totally educational. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back. We've got a show called The Bible with the Barbers, and it's the Biblical Blueprint for Marriage. I promised after the break I'd read to you a beautiful letter that my dad read to us boys when I was growing up. He said, Dear son, as long as you live in this house, you will follow the rules. When you have your own house, you can make your own rules. In this house, we do not have a democracy. I did not campaign to be your father. You did not vote for me. We are father and son by the grace of God, and I accept that privilege and awesome responsibility. In accepting it, I have an obligation to perform the role of a father. I am not your pal. Our ages are too different. We can share many things, but we are not pals. I am your father. This is a hundred times more than what a pal is. I am your friend, but we are on entirely different levels. You will do in this house as I say, and you cannot question me because whatever I ask you to do is motivated by love. This will be hard for you to understand until you have a son of your own. Until then... Trust me, your father. If people want to get a copy of that letter, you can always email Terry, T-E-R-R-Y, at Saint, S-A-I-N-T, Joe, J-O-E dot com, and I'd be happy to send it to you. Mary Danielle, our last segment on a biblical blueprint for marriage. 
And we cannot forget that part of that biblical blueprint of marriage, yes. we find the fulfillment of it in the New Testament. Uh -huh. And that is in the letters of St. Paul, he tells us, God tells us through the writings of St. Paul, that marriage is supposed to be the living sign of the relationship between Christ and his church. Amen. And again, this is where that sacrificing love, that mm -hmm. love that gives itself to the point of death, mm -hmm. you know, that Christ gave himself up for his bride to present to himself a bride who was pure and spotless without wrinkle or anything of that sort. And so husbands are supposed to love their wives the way Christ loved his church. That's right. And wives are supposed to be submissive to their husband, not because they're subordinate to him, but because the family is like the body. It has a head and it has a heart. If you had two heads on a body, it would be strange and very scary. And if you had a, a body without a head and only had two hearts, well, that would be a problem too. Amen. You need the head to, to guide and direct and you need the heart to love. The woman is supposed to be in the family what the heart is in the body, that seed of love, that, that constant pulsating of life through the body by her caring and her nurturing of the children. And God made the different roles of men and women. That's right. And, but it has this eschatological sign. I eschatological mean it points to the end things. And I mentioned in the beginning mm -hmm. that the first book of the Bible, Genesis, has the first marriage, Adam and Eve. And the last book of the Bible also talks about a marriage. And that is the wedding supper of the lamb, which is in heaven. Mm -hmm. So it points toward our marriages here on earth are supposed to point toward That's the right. relationship we have with God for all eternity in heaven. Mary, can I jump in? What you just yes. said makes total sense because my role is to get you to heaven and your role is to get me to heaven. But paragraph 1604 says similar to what you're saying, God and this is right from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 1604. God, who created man out of love, also calls him to love. The fundamental and innate vocation of every human being. For man is created in the image and likeness of God, who in himself is love. Since God created him man and woman, their mutual love becomes an image of the absolute and unfailing love with which God loves man. Check this out. It says, it is good. It's very good in the creator's eyes. And this love which God blesses is intended to be fruitful and to be realized in the common work of watching over creation. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And as we're talking about the Bible with the barbers, Holy Scripture affirms that man and woman were created for one another. See, man and woman were created for one another. It is not good that man should be alone. The woman, flesh of his flesh, his equal, his nearest in all things, is given to him by God as a helpmate. That's why I would say she's my better half, right? <laughs> she, thus representing God, from whom comes our help. Therefore... Here it comes, everybody. This is God's way. A man leaves his father and mother and cleaves to his wife, and they become one in flesh. The Lord himself shows that this signifies an unbreakable union of their two lives by recalling what plan of the Creator has been in the beginning. 
And here's what the Bible says. So they are no longer two, but one in flesh. So Mary, I just wanted to read that paragraph and encourage our listeners to open up their catechism along with their Bible to read that section on marriage because, you know, marriage is under a regime of sin. In other words, every man experiencing evil around him within himself, paragraph 1606 says, this experience makes himself felt in a relationship between man and woman. Their union has always been threatened by the discord of the spirit of domination, infidelity, jealousy, conflicts that can escalate to hatred and separation. The Catechism says this disorder can manifest itself more or less acutely and can be more or less overcome according to the circumstances of culture, eras, and individuals. But it does seem to have a universal character. So yes, there's going to be trouble. That's part of it. But you know what? I want to encourage our listeners, and I'll throw it right back to you, Mary, to end up the show here, and that is to renew your marriage vows often because that's where you're going to get the grace to live out those vows. Bishop Sheen said in Three to Get Married, another great book, he said, your love for your wife will not last because you're strong. Your love for your wife will last because you have the power to renew it. So renew the marriage vows, and that will help you in the graces that you get when you were married. Mary Danielle, I turn it back to you with with our grandson. (laughs) There you go. And so in in the New Testament, what that paragraph was referring to there, you know, when when Jesus is asked about marriage and and that Moses allowed divorce, Mm -hmm. and Jesus said that was because of the hardness of your heart. That's not the way God made it in the beginning. So before sin, God created marriage. And because sin came in, there was a hardness in man's heart, mm-hmm. and specifically in the heart of, a, of men, the male, yeah. against their wives and against this sacrifice that yeah. is called for yeah. in this permanent lifelong commitment and taking care of the children that come from marriage. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus has to reiterate it. When he comes, he says, yes, Moses allowed the divorce because of the hardness of your heart. And by the way, the polygamy of the, of the patriarchs in the Old Testament, that wasn't God's will. God allowed that, right? but now Jesus came and Jesus establishes what God made in the beginning as the blueprint that one man and one woman commit themselves to each other for life. Mm-hmm. And they're open to life. They're open to offspring. Yep. They will live together and be faithful to their commitment. They make a vow to one another before God mm-hmm. and that, that they can't be broken because this vow is made before God, and God is the one who has joined them together. It is God who joins the two in marriage. Right. And so the vow can't, man can't break that vow. So even if you're unfaithful to it, the vow is still there. You're still bound to it. And that's the basic unit of society. And if we live by what God made, we find happiness. We yeah. find joy. We find peace. We actually find freedom. You know, some people think the Ten Commandments restrict our freedom. Yeah. No, actually, the Ten Commandments are what give us freedom yeah. because sin is what enslaves us. Sin right. is what restricts our freedom. That's right. When we're sinning, we're slaves of sin. It's only when we give up sin and live in the freedom of God. So our marching orders this week, yeah, absolutely. Look at the catechism and try and read those paragraphs beginning in 1601 and following on right. marriage and begin to understand what God's plan for marriage is. Because how can we live out what we don't understand? And then also, go ahead, Mary. You, you know, renew your marriage vows yeah. every day. Those of you who are married. Yeah. And another thing to work on is forgiveness. Yeah. You know, little hurts come up every day. 
start to, at the end of the day, forgive those little hurts. Don't let them build up. Exactly. Mary, can you tell the quick story before we run out of time of Father Nelson's story about a woman uh, who had a hard time forgiving her husband, if that was the story. Do you have a minute? There was a woman on a retreat, and she came in. She came in for a conference, and she told the priest, I don't love my husband anymore. I want to divorce him because I think it's a lie to live with him because I don't love him anymore. And the priest said, you're angry. And she said, no, Father, I'm not angry. There's no feeling anymore. There's no love. And he said, you're angry, and I want you to go out there and ask God to show you what you're angry about. So she did. She went out and prayed about it. And she came back to father and oh, oh boy, she was seething. <laughs> and it turned out he hadn't done anything big. He hadn't committed adultery. He hadn't not supported the family. He wasn't a drunk. It was a thousand little things over the years of marriage where something he did insulted her or hurt her. And she just buried it. She didn't deal with it. And she didn't ask him, you know, to say he would, you know, say she didn't tell him that hurt me. Can, you know, and um, can you apologize? Because I want to forgive you, but I need you to apologize and try and change your behavior. Instead, she buried it all. And what happened is anger will end up killing love. It'll make you incapable of feeling. And so the priest told her, he said, what you need to do now is every day for the next five years, for the next five years, every day, you need to forgive and forgive again and again and again. All these little hurts. And that's what happens. If we don't deal with the wounds right away, they become big and it can take a real long time to heal them. But this is why I mentioned just before you asked the question about forgiveness. Every day, look at the day and say, you know what? We need to say, I'm sorry for the things I did that hurt you. And I need to say, I forgive you. And, and to, to build up that spirit of forgiveness and um, compassion in the family. Mm. That willingness, just like the first reading, forgive your enemies. Well, forgive your enemies. Begin with the people in your own home. If we don't forgive, it will tear society apart. Hatred tears apart. Only love creates, only love will unite. And it's only when we learn how to forgive that we will find true love. I want to recommend a CD called The Hidden Power of Forgiveness by Deacon Bob McDonald. And you're welcome to get it. If you just call 877-526-2151, I'll repeat that number, 877-526-2151. Don't forget the Bible study tonight at 7 p.m. here in uh, Terry and Jesse's show. And also, I just want to give a plug for Bishop Strickland. I'll be interviewing him today, and we'll play it on Friday on the Terry and Jesse show from Tyler, Texas. May God richly bless all of you who are listening. And don't forget to open up that Bible and the Catechism and look at that section, paragraph 1601 on your Catechism. May God bless you and your family, and thanks for joining us in the Bible with the Barbers. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests O my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole Church, grant it love and the light of thy Spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou thyself maintain them in holiness. O divine and great High Priest, may the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere. 
and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.